0: Wow, it has been great to be in God's house this morning, hasn't it? Let's all stand together and take our Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20, what powerful uh, songs. And I'm thankful that uh, Jesus is my righteousness because of what he did for us on the cross. I'm thankful that uh, in spite of my great sin, his mercy is more. Uh, And those are tremendous, tremendous truths. And we're looking forward to talking about that today. Uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about stewardship when pastors here. And uh, of course, we're looking forward to the victory offering on March. Uh, I think the third March. I know it's the first Sunday, but I can't remember if it's the third or the fourth right now. Uh, but we're looking forward to that. But as we think about stewardship and as we think about really stewarding our lives, today we're going to talk about stewarding our life in the gospel. Today, we, we've been singing about grace and what God has done for us. And uh, that's something that we, don't, that we don't need to take for granted. Uh, That's something that we need to take seriously, stewarding our life in the gospel. So Galatians chapter number 2 this morning, and we're going to read verse number 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's open up with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, thank you for today and for your goodness to us. And Lord, we thank you that your mercy is more. Thank you that you, uh, that you paid the price for us on the cross. And Lord, I pray that as we, uh, as we consider this passage of Scripture this morning, as we uh, consider what you've done for us, I pray that you challenge us, convict us, help us uh, to live for you and to live in close relationship with you. Lord, we pray that this will be a profitable time. I pray that this would be a blessing to our hearts, and I pray that uh, as we leave today, we'd be saying that it was good uh, to be in the house of the Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill me. Uh, I pray that I wouldn't say anything today that you don't want me to. I pray that you'd edit the message as we go along. And Lord, I pray uh, that you'd work in the hearts of the listeners today, and I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, draw us closer, and make us more like your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This past summer, my uh, my family and I we got to go on vacation to Kamano Island. Washington, and uh, we went to Washington State for our vacation. We just had a great time. We uh, we went on vacation with my in-laws, which all of you, all of you husbands out there, you can share your condolences with me later. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Especially if my in-laws are watching uh, this morning. Uh, so, but we got to go on vacation with uh, with our in with my in-laws, and uh, we flew out to Washington. And it was the first time that we took my my daughter Julianne. That she, we took her on a flight that she could actually kind of understand what was going on. She was uh, a year and a half, and she was excited about going to see Grandma. And uh, since it was so far, we were uh, we were going to go on an airplane. So she was really excited. We see the planes fly uh, fly overhead. And uh, this plane was going to take us to go see Grandma. So we got ready for vacation. We got up super early in the morning. We took all of our bags, made sure that we uh, had everything that we needed. And then we went to Hobby Airport. Uh, we went through, and uh, once we got past security. We needed. It was like uh, it was very early in the morning, so we needed uh, donuts and coffee. So we went and we got donuts uh, from Dunkin' Donuts. We did not get coffee there uh, because we have taste buds, so we're not going to get coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. We had to get coffee somewhere else. Uh, So we went to Dunkin'. We got our we got our donuts. We got our coffee, and uh, we were off. And we went to go see grandma, and we had a great, great time. Uh, I had a great, great time because, uh, because my in-laws took the girls for a couple of days, and uh, I got to get rid of them, and I got to have uh, my wife to myself for a couple of days, and that was, uh, that was nice, and we we had a great time. The girls had a great time. They went to a zoo. They went to a fair, uh, and they just they had a blast. The problem was is that after our vacation was over, Uh, Of course, all of you know, especially of your grandparents, how you like to spoil those grandchildren. So when we got back, my daughter is going through grandma withdrawals. Uh, So she, you know, it it was rough for a couple of days. Uh, So I thought that it was just, it was rough, her going through those grandma withdrawals. And one of the tough things was that every time that she saw an airplane after our vacation, she thought every plane is going to grandma and she's not on it. Uh, so she's like, hey, there's an airplane. It's going to grandma. I want to go to grandma's. And then, uh, then she's, she has a breakdown because uh, that airplane is going to grandma's. And uh, of course, there's, there is an airport right here on Archer Road. So this happened on a very regular basis where she saw airplanes that were supposed to be taking her to go see grandma. And of course, knowing that a, a year and a half, uh, a one and a half year old girl uh, can't really understand that, hey, not all airplanes take us to grandma's and you can't go to grandma's grandma's house every single day, uh, thank goodness for us, or that would be a, a she would be spoiled even more. Uh, so, but uh, she looked at it, and every plane that she looked at, she had this view that, hey, this plane is supposed to take me to grandma. And we understand that for such a young child, this immature view is, uh, it's cute, and it's it's normal, and it's, it's funny, and I, I enjoyed it. But we all understand in here that not all planes take us to grandma's. Planes go all over the place. We have a better view. It's normal for a one-year-old to have an immature view. It's not normal for an adult to have an immature view. And in, Galat- in the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul is writing to a church that has an immature view of the gospel they just don't get it he starts off early in the book writing to them and saying hey listen you need to understand that every person is saved one way Jesus saith unto him I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me and he's writing to a church and he's letting them know that hey you are saved by the grace of God you are saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus died lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for your sins and he was buried and he rose again. We are saved by putting our faith and our trust. And what Jesus did. And this church is having a little bit of trouble understanding that. They're thinking that, hey, I have to be saved and I have to do religious work. So maybe I have to be saved and I have to be baptized in order uh, to have God's favor in order to go to heaven. Or maybe I have to be saved and I have to take uh, communion in order to go to heaven. Or maybe I have to be saved and I have to be faithful to church in order to go to heaven. But the Apostle Paul is writing and he's saying, hey, you're not saved by faith. Plus, works, you're saved by faith, by grace, through faith alone. That's what he's telling them. We're saved by putting our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I just tell you this morning that if you've never done that, if you've never put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation, that you can do that today. You can accept Jesus as your Savior today. The next thing that Paul was correcting, they had an immature view regarding their justification, but they also had an immature view regarding their sanctification. In other words, here's what they were thinking. Hey, uh, I am saved. Once we got this, that, hey, I'm saved by faith. They were starting to think that, hey, I'm saved by faith, but then I'm sanctified by my works. Uh, i 'm saved by by faith but i have to i have to do uh, i just have to work at it i have to try really hard in order to get closer to god and paul 's correcting this view and sometimes I think about this and how oftentimes we think we have this immature view where we think, hey, I got saved and the gospel, I'm thankful for the gospel, but because, and because of it, I could be saved. But then we think, you know what, the gospel is just like a past experience. I'm thankful that the gospel, uh, because of the gospel, I'm saved, but then it's not really relevant to my everyday life. Friend, can I tell you this morning is that just like you needed the gospel for the day that you got saved, you need the gospel every single day. We need the gospel every day of our lives. We need to rely upon this. They think this church was thinking that it's up to Jesus to save me, but it's up to me uh, to be more like him. I have to do this work on my own, and we are not alone in our relationship with God. We have him. We have the gospel. We have the goodness of the gospel. The gospel. Listen, the gospel didn't just happen so you and I could escape hell. The gospel happened. Jesus died, was buried, buried, and rose again. So you could have a daily relationship with Christ. And sometimes, practically, we think that, hey, I have a relationship with God because I go to church uh, on Sunday mornings, but that doesn't cut it. We need Him every single day. We need Him every day. This church uh, thought that, hey, I'm I'm sanctified by, by myself, And friend, we minimize the power of the gospel in our lives when we neglect it on a daily basis. We need the gospel every day and we need to be walking in its power. John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine near the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You need Jesus every single day. So today, let's talk about stewarding our life in the gospel and how we can grow closer to Jesus and how we can get closer to God. And let's see how the gospel impacts our daily lives. The first thing that I notice in this passage in this verse is our identity in the gospel. We see how the gospel shapes our identity in verse number 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. He's sharing his identity and he's saying, hey, my identity is in the gospel. We can find our identity in a lot of things and our identity is important. Uh, there's a company, it's called LifeLock, and uh, this company protects, uh, protects our identities. If you've ever had your identity stolen, uh, that's not a fun thing. But this company, LifeLock, they, they are dedicated to helping people uh, who their identity is being stolen. They protect your identity. And the CEO of this company was so confident that his identity was secure, that he, got on, that he put out a commercial saying, this, this is my name. I think it's Todd Davis. This is my name and this is my social security number. And he put a commercial all over America with his social security number saying, hey, this is safe, secure. This is my real social security number and you can't steal it. It wasn't very long where his identity was stolen over and over and over again. 13 times his identity was stolen. And he learned that day that his identity is something that's very important. Our identity today is important, but a lot of times we find our identity in the wrong thing. For example, I could find my identity in just uh, my nationality. I'm, I'm an American, or uh, praise the Lord for those of us in here. Uh, we're Texans. Uh, praise the Lord for that. I could find my identity in my nationality. I could find uh, my identity, and a lot of times I identify myself by my phys- physical attributes. I am tall. Uh, I am fit. I wish. Uh, uh, I am, uh, I am uh, lighter or I am darker. We identify ourselves by our physical attributes sometimes. We can often identify, and men, uh, this is especially true for us, we oftentimes find our identity in our occupation. We identify ourselves by what we do. Uh, uh, if you ask me, hey, who are you? I might say, I'm a pastor. Uh, you might say I'm a I'm a police officer. Uh, I work at the plants, and if you ask her for your identity, you identify yourself by your occupation. A lot of times, we identify ourselves by our hobbies. I'm a I'm a Cowboys fan. Can I get an amen? Uh, I am uh, I I for I'm I'm a foodie. I like uh, I love Whataburger, uh, I love. Pepsi. Uh, you, this is uh, our Whataburger. However, I, I think i am just mispronounced it. Uh, so, but uh, a lot of times we can identify ourselves by our hobbies, the things that we like, the things that we enjoy doing. And a lot of times we spend our time identifying ourselves by all of these different things, by uh, by what we do or by what we like. And, and we forget that, hey, our identity is something that's so much greater. When you ask the Apostle Paul, hey, Paul, who are you? What is your identity found in? And he says, I am crucified with Christ. In 1 Corinthians, he said, by God's grace, I am what I am. If you, in other words, he was saying this, hey, my identity is not found in what I do. My identity is not found in what I do. What I look like, my identity is found in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am crucified with Christ. And our identity is important. And it's important that we always remember that your identity is found in your relationship with God. That's where our identity is found. Sometimes we can identify ourselves by past hurts, uh, by past mistakes, uh, by, by past wrongs. And we identify ourselves, I'm a victim, or uh, I've done this bad thing, and uh, I'm a sinner, but Jesus has covered us with his righteousness. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior this morning, our identity is in the gospel, in what Jesus has done for us. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, you are alive in Christ. By grace are ye saved. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Friend, can I tell you something this morning? That your identity is found in the fact that you are forgiven. Your identity is found in the fact that you are saved. Your identity is found in the fact that you are loved by God. It's not found in anything else. It's only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our identity in the gospel. There's a couple things that I notice about our identity in this verse. First of all, I notice that this is an unnatural identity. It's an unnatural identity. He says, I am crucified. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, does it? It's like, hey, I'm, identi-. like, I'm identified in the gospel, and then he says, I am crucified. That doesn't sound very fun. It's an unnatural identity. It reminds me of whenever I first became uh, the youth pastor here, and it was, like, it was my first Sunday on the job, and I came into my class, and there was a seventh grade boy, and uh, he rode the bus in, and I went and I sat by him, and I said, hey, how are you? And he goes, I'm a vampire. <laughs> that's, a, that's a seventh grader for you. Uh, so it was like, wow, this is kind of weird. Most of the time, we don't like to identify uh, with death. That's not something that we just want to identify with. We don't like identifying. Most of us don't like to think about, uh, you know, what, you know, I'm going to die someday. We don't like thinking about that. Before my, before my parents uh, pray for Pastor and Miss Sonia while they're in Puerto Rico, they're having a great time. But uh, before, we, before, we, before they left, uh, we're talking about what's going to happen uh, on their trip. And my mom, she's, uh, she just worries sometimes, mother, I love you. Um, so, but she's talking about like, what are we going to do? She's like, all right, we're going to sell, we're going to sell everything and we're going to divide it four ways amongst you guys. If we die on the airplane on the way to Puerto Rico and, and, and they're telling us about where their documents are and all these kinds of things And I'm covering my ears and I'm like, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to think about you guys dying. Um, so, but they're, they're talking about it and they're worrying about it. And we, I, I don't like to think about death. But the Apostle Paul says, hey, it's, it's an unnatural identity. We don't like to identify with death, but he says, I am crucified with Christ. Our identity with Christ is found in his cross. Jesus said, if any man will, uh, there were Luke 14, verses 25 through 33, he said, there, was a, there went a great multitude with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intendeth... To build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. And verse number thirty-three says, "So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple." And if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, if I'm going to walk closely to Him, it costs something. It's not. Uh, it's not. It's not. Hey, if you just believe in Jesus, you're going to get lots of money and you're going to get promotions at work and everything is just going to become really, really nice for you. Uh, Jesus said, hey, there is a cost to identifying with me. It's an unnatural identity. It's an identity with a cross. And specifically in verse number 20, he says this cross, he's saying this death is found in the crucifixion of me. He says, I am crucified. And let me tell you this morning that if we're going to walk close to Christ, if our identity is going to be in the gospel, if our daily lives is going to be impacted by the gospel, it's going to be because we, uh, we died to ourselves. And we let Christ live through us. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Romans 6 verses 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of God the Father, even so shall we also walk in newness of life. Colossians 3 verses 2 through 5 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Here's what he's saying. Hey, if, you're gonna, uh, if your identity is going to be impacted by the gospel, then you have to understand this. You have to die to your sin. You have to be dead to your own desires. And a lot of times we don't like that. We, uh, we have dreams and we have plans and we have goals. Uh, I get to be with teenagers all the time. One of the things we talked about today was the will of God a little bit. And that's something that growing up we think about. You know, what does God want me to do uh, whenever I grow up? What am I going to do whenever I'm older? I don't think those dreams, at least for me, uh, those dreams haven't stopped yet. What am I going to do when I grow up? But here he's saying, you have to be dead to you. So that Christ can live through you. That's what he's saying. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. As you're following along in your notes, first of all, it's an unnatural identity. But this is great too. It says it's a divine identity. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. When you got saved... Divine righteousness eradicated your human sinfulness. Whenever you got saved, God replaced uh, all that you were uh, in sin and He gave you all of Himself. That's what He gave to you. That's what He gave to me. I exchanged, uh, like, the, like the song says, I, I traded my old tattered garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. That's what He gave to us. The, uh, the song says... Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He, he washed it white as snow. Whenever we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, first of all, yes, it's an unnatural identity because I have to give up myself. But whenever I trade in myself, I get God. That's the blessing of, of the gospel in our daily lives. We're trading what we are for who he is. John 1.12 says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. You became a child of God when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave you His nature. 1 Corinthians verse chapter 6 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He took that sin away. And that can be a daily experience. Whenever we are dead to ourselves, he gives us himself. It's a divine identity. First of all, we notice our identity in the gospel. Uh, We have to die to self so that Christ can live through us. But then second of all, I notice our life in the gospel. Okay, what does this look like? Uh, So our identity in the gospel, we're saved, we're a child of God. We're not identified by our sinfulness, but by his righteousness. Uh, Now let's look at our life in the gospel. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Let's look at our life in the gospel. First of all, I notice that this is abundant life. This is abundant life. Now, the word life here in Galatians 2.20, he talks about living and life lots in this verse. This word comes from the Greek word zeo, which means life. That was deep. I just taught you Greek today. Life means life. Uh, But here's, uh, it's a little bit more than that. Here, the word life, here's the descriptive words for life. Abundant. Fresh. New. New. Words like vitality describe this life. Here's what it's saying. It's not an old... Uh, decaying, crusty life that God has given you. It's not, it's not a boring life that God wants to give you. It's not a life uh, where you just uh, grumpily come into church and sit down and I, I, you know, I did my service to God this week and now I get to go and just you know, praise the Lord that I'm saved. Uh, it's not a crusty old life. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live, hey, it's abundant life. It's fresh life. It's new life. God wants to give you abundant life. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's what he's promising to you and to me. It is abundant life. I notice that it's abundant life, but I also notice that it's a substitutionary life. It's a substitutionary life. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Here's the idea it's not you doing the living, it's Jesus doing the living through you. Whenever I was in second grade, the church that I was going to, they started a school. It was the first year of the school, I was in second grade. And in the second grade, I had two teachers. Uh, I had a Monday through, we had a teacher Monday through Wednesday, and we had a teacher on Thursday and Friday. So my Monday through Wednesday teacher was Miss Iello. That was her name, and uh, Miss Iello was, uh, she was a good lady, she was a good teacher, but she was like, uh, you know, if, if these two teachers were good cop, bad cop, Monday through Wednesday teacher was definitely the bad cop. Uh, She was uh, she was pretty intense and uh, she 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 got her points across and she uh, she kind of laid down the law. She was the stickler for the rules. But then on Thursday and Friday, uh, we were in heaven Uh, on Thursdays and Fridays. Miss Pam came in and uh, Miss Miss Pam. She was uh, she was the fun teacher. Miss Pam, uh, she'd let us go outside for recess. And we I think she just like took a nap and we just played uh, in the afternoons. Uh, It was it was a, a, a she probably wasn't as good, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun with her because uh, she was a fun teacher, and uh, she was very gracious, and uh, she was very nice, and uh, she was kind of the substitute. She was the Thursday-Friday teacher, but, man, we loved her. When we're trying to live life ourselves, trying to get closer to God, it's, it's all about the checklist, like, did I do this? Did I get that done? Did I do this for God? Did I uh, All of these service things. And we need to do those things. We need, to, uh, we need to live for the Lord. We need to be faithful. Uh, we need uh, to give and we need to sacrifice and those kinds of things. But whenever uh, I am trying to do the Christian life by myself, life becomes all about uh, the rules. Whenever I'm trying to do the Christian life on my own, it becomes all about, uh, well, I got uh, I to gotta, I gotta do this today or I got to, you know, the, when the offering plate comes by, it's like, and put it put in the offering. It's like God, I did it for you. Uh, it, like that's just that's just rough. And I feel I honestly I feel sorry for anyone who comes to church, and especially anyone who comes to church and listens to songs like we like what was sung this morning, and just sits through it. Like, uh, can this please just be over now? Like, to, this is just me, uh, but I think that this is awesome. This is this is this is like the highlight for me. Probably because I'm the one up here preaching and you guys are the ones that have to sit down listening but this is the highlight for me. Getting to getting to worship the Lord, getting to sing songs of praise to him. Uh, that's a that's a wonderful thing. And Frank, can I tell you something? That whenever you're trying to do life on your own, when you're trying to do the Christian life in your own power, in your own might, and in your own strength, Paul says it this way in chapter three, verse I think three. A couple of verses later, after this, he says, "Hey, you were justified by the Spirit. Are you gonna be Are you gonna be sanctified by the flesh?" He said, "Hey, you were justified by God doing a work in your heart. You're not gonna become more holy uh, by trying to do it yourself. We don't become holy by trying harder. We become holy by dying to self and letting Christ live through us and whenever we do that and it's Christ living life through me then I love to walk with him I, I love to do life with him I, I love to come to church I love to give I love to tell other people about Jesus I love to do those things because it's not me it's Christ in me the hope of glory it's an abundant life but it's a substitutionary life and it it's Christ doing life through us it's our life in the gospel is Jesus doing life through us. And I understand that uh, going through this, I was thinking about this, and I was, I was thinking, you know, these are great truths, but how do I apply that in, in everyday life? How do I apply that? Like, how, how do I say it's not you doing life, it's Jesus doing life through you? And The questions that I ask whenever I come to portions of Scripture like this is, okay, how do I do this? And the answer is, you don't. It's Him doing it through you. So I was like, okay, how do I put this into practice? How, how do I do this? But the problem is, is it's, it's yielding ourselves to the Lord. Uh, and sometimes that's not, that's not a checklist. It's walking with the Spirit of God, listening to Him, and yielding yourself to Him. He says, I do it by faith. It's by faith getting up, each morning and whenever you get into God's word, saying, Lord Jesus, I need you to do, I can't do life by myself today. I need you to live through me. Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak to my heart today? Holy Spirit, if you'll speak to my heart today, I'll do what you say. I'll, do, I'll follow your leading. Would you do life through me? It's his, him through me. How do we do that? Well, if I could give you some just final principles in closing, it's this. So finally, our last point is our focus in the gospel. If I'm going to, if my daily life is going to be impacted by the grace of God and what he's done uh, for me, if that's going to be played out on a daily, daily life, what do I focus on to let uh, Christ live through me? So we can say like the Apostle Paul, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. As we close, let's look at the final part of this verse. He says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Here's the motivation. Who loved me and gave himself for me. This is both my motivation and my example. This is my motivation and my example. It's uh, first of all, our focus in the gospel is letter A, the love of Christ. He says, the reason why I do what I do, the reason why I, I want to be dead to self, the reason why I want to let Christ live life through me, the reason why I want to uh, walk with him each and every day, the reason why I go to work uh, and, I, and, I, and I claim the verse, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct the pa- thy path. The reason why I do that, the reason why I live every day for Jesus is because, first of all, because of the love of Christ. The love of of Christ. That should be the motive of why I do what I do. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. It is, uh, it is looking unto Jesus and His love for you, being motivated by His love for you and what He's done for you. My, uh, if I was going to give uh, not that I'm, I'm 26 years old, so I don't give uh, marriage advice uh, ever. Uh, so uh, I don't really give marriage advice. We've been married. It'll be five years in August, and it's been great. Here's something that I've learned in five years, and it's only taken me five years, uh, is that we don't get closer to each other by me saying, all right, here's, here's my checklist for today. All right, if I, if I go wash the dishes, then she'll love me or if I don't say or if I don't leave for her if I don't say all right all right Adriana I'm going to work today here's your to do list for the day all right if you want me to be uh, if, if if you're going to be a good wife then wash the dishes vacuum the carpet and make the bed and I'm coming home at 5 so have dinner ready at 503 that's not going to work out very well for very long and uh, some of you wives are like looking at me like uh, you like you're gonna kill me from your seat. I don't do that. That's that's. Here's what I've learned for those of you who are single. That's not how you have a good marriage. And I see some of you over there like, ooh, I need to write that down. <laughs> that's not how it works. If my motivation, if, if I'm saying, hey, my motivation, if I'm saying, hey, I've got to do this and this and this and this and this and then, well, hey, that makes me a good husband. If I said, hey, I, I worked and I, uh, I, I paid the bills and uh, I, I filled up the car with gas and I did these things, now I want to go watch TV in the living room all by myself. You leave me alone. I, I'm a good husband for today. It's not going to work. If my motivation and her motivation is is love for each other. Then hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna bring home uh, the groceries and she's gonna you know she's going we're gonna do the dishes and sometimes I, like after supper I'm gonna do the dishes not because hey I did the dishes so that makes me a good husband, but hey I love her so I'm gonna I'm gonna help her with the kitchen. And if we're we're doing things for each other out of love, versus out of duty, that makes for a happier marriage. Sometimes we forget that for our relationship with Christ. Jesus, I, I went to church today. That makes me a good Christian. It's not how it works. It's it's a motivation thing, more than a duty thing. It's not, hey, I, I went to church and I gave an offering and I passed out an invitation to in church. So that makes me a good Christian. It's not the list, it's the love for Christ. Paul said, hey, the reason why I do what I do is because not, his motivation wasn't because I love God. His motivation was because he loves me. Isn't that an amazing thought that the God who created the universe, the God who knows all things, can do all things, is everywhere at all times, who saw uh, what you said and who saw what you did this week, loves you. The Bible says, uh, wherein is love, herein is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And Paul's motivation for what he did with his life, he said, hey, I did it because God loves me. That changes everything. That changes everything. Uh, whenever I'm motivated by the fact that Jesus uh, sacrificed himself for me, the fact that Jesus loved me, the fact that Jesus died for me, that I'm going to show that to other people. That's going to reflect in my daily life. The Bible says, Ephesians 4.32, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The motivation for forgiving, the motivation for being kind, the motivation for being loving is not loving for loving's sake. The motivation is, hey, God, I loved you. God forgave you. And that changes everything on my daily life. That, that, uh, that affects how I relate to my spouse. And that affects uh, how I handle that tough coworker, And uh, that handles how uh, whenever I'm getting ready, how whenever I want to lose my temper, it changes everything whenever my daily life is impacted by, hey, I'm going to love and I'm going to forgive and I'm going to do what I do. Not because that's what makes me a good Christian, but that's because Jesus loved me, because Jesus forgave me, because... Uh, because I am his child, because uh, because he gave himself for me, that's going to affect how I live. That lets Christ live through me. He said, who loved me, and then he says, here's the second motivation and example, and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Friend, there is no, there's, It's beyond what I can even imagine to think that the God of heaven became a man. That he lived a perfect life amongst very imperfect people. That he was hated. He was despised. He was rejected. And the people that hated him most, as they watched him hang on a cross to pay for their sin and cursed him, and yelled at him, and spat upon him, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He loved me, and gave himself for me. Because he did that for me, if I'm motivated by that, then hey, you know what, I'm going uh, to come to church and offer those sacrifices of praise. If I understand, and if I appreciate uh, what Jesus, how Jesus sacrificed himself, then I won't view the victory offering coming up as a sacrifice. I'm going to use it as a blessing. I'm going to view it as, as, as a blessing. Sharing my faith, it's not going to be, uh, well, I got to go do that or, you know, whatever. And, hey, Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. I want other people to experience that. Paul's motivation for life was that he loved me and he gave himself me cyrus the king of persia he was as he was uh conquering the world he he kidnapped this this prince and his wife and his family cyrus as he as the prince stood before him ready to kill him he said hey what will you give me if i will spare your life and this prince said well if you'll spare my life i'll give you half of everything that i have he said, well, what, what will you give me if I'll, if, I'll spare, if I'll spare your children? He said, I'll give you everything. He said, what will you do if I spare your wife? He said, I will give you myself. Cyrus was moved by, uh, by this gesture and by the love that this man had for his family that he let them all go. On their way back home, this prince, he commented uh, to his wife, and he said, hey, that Cyrus, he was, he was very gracious, and he was a handsome fellow, wasn't he? And his wife looked over at him and said, you know what? I didn't even notice. I was too busy looking at the one who wanted to give himself for me. Frank, can I tell you something? As we're traveling through this journey of life, it changes everything when your eyes are focused on the one who loved you and gave himself for you. Friend, that changes everything.